1: Episode 279, Punisher, Season 1, Episode 1, 3AM.
2: Welcome to Level 7, a podcast about Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the Marvel Cinematic Universe. A magical
1: place hello welcome back to welcome to level seven and um yeah so we are going to be doing uh i'm calling this the the run pun run where we are doing oh runaways and punisher <laughs> at the same time that's right the run pun run <laughs> This series oh, of 26 geez. episodes, <laughs> 13 episodes of Punisher, 13 episodes of Runaways, um, but we're doing them kind of together so that you know people who want to listen to the one are going to get some, and then people who want to listen to the other will get the other, and people who want to listen to both, they they just get to sit back and enjoy. So, yeah, so we are breaking in and not talking about Runaways Episode 3 this episode, but we are talking about Punisher. This episode, and uh, my name is Ben Ben Avery, and for this uh, for this episode, I'm here with Agent Stew. <laughs> Stew,
3: yay! Hi, guys. So, is it the one run pun run?
1: There will only be one run pun run. Uh, Thank
3: goodness. <laughs> <laughs> <and> <laughs>
1: I don't know if I will ever call it that again, based on your reaction. Uh, hey, don't let don't let me take your Thunderman. If although, you if you like it, you like it. In in fairness, I mean, I I didn't tell you about this ahead of time, so <laughs> that's probably for the best. Yeah. to be in, honest. In fairness, I hadn't really until I started saying it realized that that's what I was saying. Um, the run pun thing I was going with, but
3: I I like the run pun run thing. Actually, it's just I don't
2: know.
3: (laughs) This is about as much laughter, I think, as we're going to have in this episode, by the way.
1: (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. It depends on how much gallows humor we're going to get into. Oh Um, man. Yeah. It's an interesting episode. It's an interesting episode. I'm not going to say too much right now because uh, this being Netflix and us, uh, the way we do Netflix series, uh, this is actually the beginning of phase two of the Netflix series because um we've we've now finished Defenders which was the run up from Daredevil season 1 to Defenders was what they promised us um from the beginning and this Punisher series was kind of a not, not a surprise uh completely because when they started introducing that the idea that Punisher would be in Daredevil there was talk of this but this was not something that they had considered doing from the beginning and and Punisher is not part of the Defenders
3: no but but you know, Punisher, and we'll talk about this, I'm sure, later on, but John Barenthal playing Punisher in, in um, Daredevil Season 2 was the runaway hit of that series. I mean, he was the shining, for lack of a better term, he was the the breakout star of that. He totally stole that show.
1: Yeah, because with with Daredevil Season 2, you had Daredevil basically dealing with two different people. Um, right. Uh, Elektra and, and Punisher. And, yeah, and so... Uh, Electra does not have her own series, but that's because she was the MacGuffin in some ways uh, for Defenders. But Punisher disappeared and wasn't around for the whole let's bring down the building and, and all that. So, yeah, uh, which before we get get into things pretty deep, um, the, our spoiler policy is we are not going to be able to talk about anything before. No. Not before. That's the wrong direction. Anything <laughs> after this episode. Um, So anything from Netflix that comes after this episode, that includes episode two of, of Punisher, um, we will not be talking about because – if you're watching through and you're listening along as you're watching through, um, so maybe you've discovered the Netflix series and didn't watch it when it first dropped, now you're watching it and, and listening, we are not going to spoil anything in the future of this series for you. Um, so we won't talk about episode 13 until we get to episode 13, but we will be talking about other Netflix stuff and anything else in the MCU that we've already recorded about Um and that that's just a warning. It's a blanket coverall. It's not like we're going to be talking about Avengers Infinity War too much as we're talking about Punisher right now, if at all, <laughs> because this series of all of them feels the most so far in this one episode, the most confined. Um It doesn't feel too connected to the Netflix stuff other than Punisher showed up in the Daredevil series and And was there at the end to help with the end of that series and help help Punisher deal with the ninja and stuff like that. But other than the fact that he came from Daredevil series and had Matt Murdock helping him in that series, this episode feels very cut off from that. In fact, it feels like, hey, we're going to cap off that story uh, before credits and then we're going to do something new.
3: Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's a little bit of that. The Dogs of War is in there and... Um, a couple of other, the gangs yeah. that he was going after. We, we saw them in other things, but that's it.
1: That's it. Done. And, and technically dogs of war, they were uh, agents of shield thing too. Yeah. That's what I mean. Yeah. yeah so there is that connection um, with, with the, with the MCU, but, um, but the first thing we want to do is as with all other Netflix series, we call in when we first watch. And so for you, Stuart, um, I'd have to really look at the calendar to see when this actually dropped. But for you, we're talking about a, a voicemail message from, I don't know, months ago. Um, at
3: least months ago.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. For me, uh, we're talking about a voicemail message from uh, days ago. <laughs> so, at least days ago. <laughs> um, and, and that's because, and, and I kind of like this. Uh, this is new for me with Netflix, but... I am watching in real time as we record. That's what I'm Mm -hmm. watching. And so um, it was it was kind of nice. It was kind of nice. So I'm going to play a recorded message from me, from you. Stuart from Samantha, and f- who is our usual co-host on on Welcome to Level Seven right now, and then from Daniel, f- who um, is the original co-host from Welcome to Level Seven, and we're going to play those right now, and then we will get into talking about this episode with our current thoughts after having the opportunity to have seen it um, long ago <laughs> in the past. <laughs> For you, but not for me.
2: (laughs) Punisher, 3 a.m., Agent Daniel. Boys and ladies, good things do not happen at 3 a.m. They do not happen at 3 a.m. You know, I always remember when I was in college, there was a basketball player, and he was out after 3 a.m., and he got hit by a train. And you know why? Oh, he lived, by the way. He got hit by a train. Anyone know why he got hit by a train? Because it was 3 a.m. You don't go out at 3 a.m. Bad, bad things happen. Just ask our friends at the construction site. Bad things happen after 3 a.m. But, hey, another other news, I'm just going to say this. Netflix, Punisher, Episode 1. Ah, uh, you got me in it, go. You got me in it to the start, the jump. Yeah, there's some predictability going on. You knew Frank was going to have to do some bad, bad things because then we wouldn't have a series. We knew he'd get back to being who he was. But, uh, wow. From the beginning where we see Frank finish his work to watching him struggle with his PTSD afterwards, Uh just watching the real reflection, uh, that, that that group of Curtis's, Curtis, one of my new favorite MCU characters, um, Curtis's group, um, wow, that was, that was pretty real, pretty raw, and, and pretty re- to life. So, yeah, um, usually, you know, Netflix, I'm a little like, rah, rah, rah. it's not Luke Cage, it's not Jessica Jones. Oh, I don't like it. You know what? Punisher could easily and quickly become my number one series on Netflix or Marvel. And I'm not even a hot mess. I, I mean that sincerely. So
4: peace out later, bye, kids. Hi, it's Agent Samantha. Punisher episode one, 3 a.m. Boy, uh, <laughs> that's some really dark television. Ooh, this this has to be like the darkest place that the MCU has gone. It's just oh, just awful stuff. Uh, we were introduced to some really great characters. Um, uh, the investigator, oh my gosh, her, her name escaped my mind, the young lady. Um, I like her. I think she's cool. She's tough. Um, though I think some of the language that her boss uses is, um, interesting now that we live in a post-Me Too movement society. Um, uh, Curtis, love Curl- Curtis. Uh, Donnie, I thought he was a cool kid made some wrong choices, gotten with the wrong crowd. Um, though he's lucky that he's lucky that Frank happened to be there. And he, like, I don't know if I'm going to be watching this as quickly as I've watched the other Netflix series. I'm going to, I'm going to try. I've been putting this off for months, but here I am. I've been putting it off so long that it's a couple of days before the Jessica Jones season two premiere is. So Yeah. Okay, so we'll see what happens. Bye.
0: Wow. Punisher, episode one. That was, I'm tense. To quote Daniel, I'm tense. I have a feeling of tenseness in my, and I don't know that I was, had my eyes open the entire time when I was watching the, um, uh, Punisher yields wields the hammer fight. wow i i'm going to i think we should rate this with um hammers thor's hammer see see i was going to go thor's hammer and it's 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 easy it's just too easy this is not an easy show it's not an easy show to watch the scariest movie i've ever seen was american history x um i yeah. Because, you know, there's that one scene with Edward Norton not hulking out. Um and he um and he curb stomps that one guy and that's horrific. Horrific. Um this was close to that. Uh, this might this might overtake you. I will keep watching this. I, I turned American History X off right right at that. I was like, I can't watch any more of that. But this is this is um <laughs> I'm filled with with tense. I I don't know how else to explain it. Um, it's it's not an easy thing to watch. It's good. Um, the characterization that you know John Barenthal has with Frank Castle. I mean, that's amazing, and it has been from season two of Daredevil, and it continues into the Punisher show. Um, he's an amazing actor, and they really have. A needle on what his character is, um, and we are in for a great show. But yeah, that's that's intense, very very intense. Um,
5: it, yeah. Welcome back, Frank. Peace out, everybody. Hello Ben, future Ben, this is past Ben, sitting here. I uh, just watched Punisher episode one, and I don't know, I mean, how far in the past I exist for you right now. Uh, yeah, cause you're playing catch up right now with everybody, having not seen any of this stuff. Although now you've seen this episode, obviously, because I've seen it, but um yeah, yeah. So, Punisher. This one was rough. This was, this was tough. Uh, body count, 14. I think I'm going to keep body count every episode. So right now we're at 14 people that he's killed. And, uh, three of them were, uh, it was with a hammer. I mean, this is, can you imagine it's Thor with Punisher? Uh, it'd be bad. It'd be bad. This proves it. This proves that it's good that people aren't be worthy to pick up Thor's hammer. Because look at what this guy can do with just a, a sledgehammer. So, yeah. Uh, but is it good? So it's tough to watch? Yes. Is it good? You know, this is standalone. This is a, this is one of those zero issues of comics where it just standalone doesn't have anything to do with, you know, regular series. You can watch this by itself. It's almost like a mini Punisher movie where he's out of the game and he gets pulled back in. And there's a beginning, middle, and end with a couple little, uh, hooks into what could be, you know, the big season. And that's the big thing about this episode right here is that I don't know what, what I'm in for. Um, I don't know what the stakes are, other than he's going to get pulled back in, obviously, because we yeah. got 12 more episodes for him to do his mayhem. So, yeah. So, uh this is past Ben, finally watching, and future Ben, you know, you might be playing this on uh, an episode a week in the future from now, but hey, it's better than The uh, Fenders, where it was like a year. So, yeah. At least this time you remember what you said in your voicemail,
1: maybe. All
5: right, that's it. Talk to you later. Bye.
1: Stuart, was I ever that young? I can't I can't believe how young I sounded back then I, I when I actually, watched this show.
3: <laughs> I could actually see your hair down around your shoulders when you when you did that voicemail.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Cur- young and naive curly long hair and now it's all balding and no i'm not um
3: that joke's never gonna get old by the way
1: well it's it's <laughs> it's new context here you know because yeah yeah the voicemail is only two 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 days old so
3: <laughs> it's only two days old
1: yeah so i i pretty much my feelings have not changed <laughs> That's about, good <laughs> about the episode since I watched it, um, although it's possible. I mean, sometimes when you had a chance to, to think about something right after the fact, you do you do change. But
3: um... <laughs> to be honest, that's why we do these. That's why we do the calls. in, Right. Yeah. So we want to get that call in between the 15 seconds or four seconds or whatever it is now that Netflix takes to go to the next one. We want to get that immediate like gut reaction. Yeah. Yeah. And I think mine was
1: pretty wishy-washy. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about this episode. Um mm-hmm. and and you know let's talk about the opening first and and just the opening. Um because the opening is just Frank Castle cleaning up. Uh time has passed since Frank Castle walked into the moonset set uh, after Daredevil season two, but he's still haunted by the memory of his family and he's driven by his thirst for justice. And then he goes and finishes everyone off. And so there's, there's one last target that he's, he meets at a, um, at an airport bathroom. Uh, he, the guy says, you killed them all. You killed the bikers, the cartel and the kitchen Irish. And, and now he, he kills that guy and then he burns his skull shirt. He's hanging it up. He's done. And this is a classic superhero trope. But yeah, I mean, so this is our opening and it's it's pretty brutal. Um, in my voicemail, I, I I mentioned that I'm keeping a, a body count. And uh, oh, yeah. And so this episode, there's there's 14 bodies total. But the first four um, come from this opening here where he runs over guys with his van and he strangles a guy in the bathroom with and then he um, there was this, the, a really cool, you know, effective stylistically thing where um, he has a guy in his gun sights and it was confusing to me at first, like what was going on because you hear the gunshot. And then a moment later, um, the guy falls back dead shot in the head and then the camera pans back from the window of where that guy was shot and he's in mexico in Juarez mexico <laughs> and um and Punisher is on united states soil I mean he he shot the guy um you know over I don't know how many yards or is is it a mile I don't know um I'm not I'm not really very
3: uh, very long ways
1: yeah and and so it's it's effective, and and he's done, and he burns his skull shirt because mm-hmm. he's he's done. the The punishing is done. He's punished the people who hurt him.
3: And so, I mean, that begs the question: Is this show? I mean, maybe this show should be called Frank Castle, <laughs> not necessarily the Punisher, but it should be called Frank Castle because Punisher's done at the end of the first act
1: well it's not even the first act i mean this is the cold open i mean if if we're talking in television terms because then we go into credits from here and you know and we get a shot of him teaching guitar you know (laughs) to his daughter and that kind of thing um we we get these you know things to show like what's driving him why is he doing this um i just and and i'll say this for this whole episode uh I don't have a clear view of where this series is going from this episode. This is almost like a one shot comic um, mm-hmm. where you just see, you know, here it's a beginning, middle and end to a story. It's kind of introducing the character, getting people to know the character, and then we'll get into the real story next episode. This episode feels like it's setting a few pieces on the board, but you don't even know what the game is.
3: Uh, yes absolutely it, it almost feels like a um a bridge between the end of end of daredevil season 2 where you had a very classic punisher in a very superhero type of world and then moving him into um which I know we'll talk about in a little bit moving him into sort of a, a new grittier real world type of situation type of scenario um, one of the things i found interesting about this about this series um was that it's it's very true to life you know the the people talking in this series i've heard in real life down the street you know at my workplace you know i i've heard all of these same sentiments across the gamut too i mean a lot of what they say um you you could divide it down right you know um Political lines, too. So I I don't want to necessarily get into all that. But there's a lot of that in this.
1: Yeah. And and so this definitely feels like, okay, we're shutting down that chapter. You know, Mm -hmm. we are uh, we're going to move on from there. Uh, Not entirely. We can't move on completely because that's what motivates him. And in some ways, they're kind of showing here, this is what motivates him. He thinks it's done. And so this is where he's going to stop. And, and again, like I said, the question is, okay, so where is this series going to go? And in this episode, it's that one shot feel. It feels like a mini movie too,
3: mm-hmm. where
1: this could be, you know, expanded out a little bit. You could have this be a Punisher movie and, mm-hmm. and the series itself, you know, depending on how they do it, I don't know. I don't have the benefit uh, that you have of, knowing what's coming. Um, but I do have the benefit that you don't have, which is I don't have to worry about accidentally spoiling something because I can't, <laughs> I can't you know? Um, but uh, for this episode anyway, um, it's, it's done. There's, I won't call it an adventure, you know, like it, um, agents of shield agents of shield adventure, you know, we're, we're going right. on an adventure for every episode or whatever. And um, but for this, uh, it's, it sets up one problem and he's up, he ends up having to to deal with that problem. And when the episode is done, we could be done with the character. There aren't mm-hmm. a lot of questions except for a couple scenes where it's like, well, why is that person? Why are we spending time with that person with uh, Dinah, mm-hmm. uh, agent Dinah and Sam? Um, mm-hmm. why are we dealing with them? Because they are going to be important. I'm assuming for the series.
3: You know this. It, it almost reminds me of Logan. Have you seen Logan yet? Not yet. No, no. Do you remember talking about the trailer for Logan? I do. Where we go, where we were sitting there going, "What the heck is this? Is this movie? What kind of movie is this?" And first off, Logan is a fantastic movie, and you need to watch it. But it's not MCU, so be careful.
1: Um, but it, it's uh, not MCU, which also means. We didn't do an episode. <laughs>
3: so. We didn't do an episode on it. But it's it's a great movie and it sort of takes Logan outside of the um, you know comic bookiness of it. Uh, and he's in this sort of older self and t- stuff like that. And so um, there, there's no capes. There's no capes anyway in the X-Men. But there's definitely no capes. There's no superhero-ness of it. Um, it's very gritty. That's what this feels like.
1: So let's talk about the the this episode then. Um, mm-hmm. Let me – let's see here. Finding my notes. Here we go. So six months later, here's the new normal. Frank is working on a construction site, tearing down walls with a hammer. Uh, and, um, I'm going to try and avoid it as much as possible, but I'm sure we are going to make some sort of joke about Thor. So just throwing it out there. Um, we got another superhero with a hammer. That's all I'm saying. Uh, he's alone and he's unresponsive to the rest of the world. He's living in a small apartment and he's fighting the memories of his life before losing his family. Uh, but the world starts pushing in. There's worksite bullies, first of all. Then there's Donnie. Donnie's trying to fit in to the worksite. He's a new kid. Um... He tries to fit in with Frank and talk with him, shares a sandwich and backstory with him. He's lost his parents. His dad was Marines um, and served in the Marines, but then got killed after coming back from, from his tours of duty. But Frank pushes him away. Next, we meet a group of people in uh, group therapy for soldiers. And this is run by a guy named Carl and Frank doesn't go to the group, although he does listen to the group and and then he does come in and talk with Carl, who tells him the only person you're punishing now is yourself. And he's given him a book. And he's there's a friendship there. There's a kinship there. And this is the one person in this episode that Frank actually will talk to and talk through things with. Um and will also, you know, tell tell Frank how it is. We move from there to meet Dinah and Sam. They have been assigned as partners in Homeland Security. She's focused on a case that no one wants her to follow. So she changes her direction a little bit and she starts to look into Frank Castle and that whole situation with uh, Schoonover. And she wants the truth to come out because she has lost a partner when she was uh, overseas in the Middle East. Um, but no one wants her to look into how, you know, th- this partner that she's, she's lost. So that's the one connective tissue that I can kind of see that's kind of taking us over into the next episode um, or the next series of episodes, rather. Meanwhile, Donnie gets pulled into a criminal scheme by two of his core workers after an accident takes out their third partner. And the crime almost goes off without a hitch. But Danny, or Donnie rather, drops his wallet as they steal money from a Nucci crime family poker game. So, um, clearing that up uh the nucci crime family is running a poker game that doesn't have any guns uh because it's very high stakes they don't allow guns in there therefore these three yahoos are able to go in with guns and not have them put up any kind of fight as they steal the money danny drops his wallet it opens up and the nucci crime people are able to see who not danny donnie who donnie is You guys don't
3: look like the Avengers at all.
1: (laughs) It wasn't quite like that, but. Close um, enough. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) My goodness. So, um, you know what's going to happen, you know? Um, Frank, meanwhile, is haunted even more because he overheard them scheming and overheard them recruiting Donnie. And Donnie was nice to him. And he's having – he's been having these dreams. And he has a particularly terrible nightmare about his family and his, his wife getting killed. And so he returns to the work site to knock down walls with his sledgehammer. And uh they, by the way, the, these bullies didn't do not like that at all, because um, by him doing that, it's free work for the, the company and people aren't going to get overtime because of that. But uh the co-workers come back. They are very unhappy with with Donnie. Donnie promises he will not say a word. And they say, you'd be stupid if you didn't. So we got to kill you. So they drop Donnie in a vat of concrete. That's uh, I shouldn't say it's a vat of concrete yet because it's filling up with with concrete. And they're just going to they just throw him in there and he's going to get covered by the concrete die. No one will know he's in there. And these guys will live happily ever after. No one will ever find out who they were. They'll just know who Donnie was. But because they did that and Frank is there. Frank gets pulled back in and he gets pulled back in violently. He kills the worksite bullies with his hammer, rescues Donnie, gives him the money that they stole with a note that he needs to leave town. Then he goes to the Nucci's, where they are planning to find Donnie and kill his grandma as well. And he kills them all. But as he walks out, he's been caught on camera. And a man watches the security footage saying, welcome back, Frank. And then, yeah, credits. 15 seconds or whatever before it automatically autoplays into the next episode. But this other guy who says, welcome back, Frank, I'm assuming we're going to be spending more time with this guy because he's pretty – it feels pretty menacing. So that is where this episode takes us.
3: Yeah. Another superhero with a camera. Now, can we call Frank Castle a superhero?
1: No. <laughs> He's neither super nor a hero. Discuss. Right.
3: Yeah, right. Um, so I've never, I've even in Daredevil season two, and he was more superhero-y in that. I mean, I remember having conversations about his moral code. Um, I just did the finger quotes, by the way. Uh, in this, I, I mean— it's hard for me to even see Frank as a hero he's definitely disturbed he definitely has that moral code um you know you you do bad things to good people you're going to get punished I wonder is that where they got the name from
1: <laughs> I, I'm, assuming, I'm assuming I'm assuming that was a joke right yeah a little bit facetious.
3: Yeah, okay. but I mean the idea is that they're 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 you do bad things to good people, you're going to get punished. And in his eyes, he sees Donnie as a good person, um, just trying to just trying to do right. You know, um, does he take it too far? I, I don't know.
1: I mean, he, maybe okay. you want to start there with this this end scene, the the climax of this episode where he's no, killing no, no, no. I, with I the just, hammer because, no, I, I, I'm asking you because. You said, does he take it too far? And, and the whole time I'm watching it, especially after I got done watching it, I'm thinking to myself, he did not have to do it that way. He did not have to kill them so brutally. I mean, he he's this – I'm using my fingers to, to show how close. Um, imagine my thumb and my finger are very close to each other. Uh, he's this close to torturing them. I mean, he – He is not killing them slowly or quickly or humanely. Um, Or
3: with the song. Yeah.
1: He's not killing them softly. Um, But he is. uh, It's brutal. It's brutal. It's violent. It's ruthless. And it's. uh, The one thing I'll say for all of the kills in this episode is they are not the quick, clean, sanitized cartoon killing of of even like a primetime detective show. Um, I mean, Wait, it takes them a is, while to choke the guy in the bathroom. This and, is
3: definitely a rated R TV MA. I mean, whatever else you want to call it thing, right? This is um, it's harsh. It is gritty and it's harsh. And for me, honestly, I was sitting there a lot of times, maybe not in this, episode necessarily but a lot of times with my hands up to my face you know so oh i can't watch that
1: i mean it's it, it was rough well let's it talk about that you've seen the series yeah i don't i don't know don't remember how quick it was for you to watch the series very when long it dropped. time okay it took me a long time to get through it and you haven't rewatched it so you're not I, rewatching it for this coverage
3: yeah, I mean, I might, you know, pick up a little bit here and there to sort of get through it. But it, I mean, to say that it scarred me is probably too much, but it it definitely had an effect on me.
1: Well, and it, it, it's like when we were rewatching Jessica Jones, mm-hmm. you know, that was that was tough to rewatch because of uh, now that was a lot more about the, uh, you know, interpersonal and psychological violence that mm-hmm. was going on here. I can totally get that. I mean, I'm, I'm cringing in my seat as he's killing these guys and it's effective filmmaking, you know, to make me cringe. Um, but I'm asking myself, what does this tell me about this character? And so in the comic books, Punisher starts out as a Spider-Man kind of villain. And then he moves over into uh, cloak and dagger actually. and, um and then he, and he's doing stuff in Spider-Man and Cloak and Dagger and um and then when he gets his own series he, it's in black and white magazines mm-hmm. which did not have to follow code so the comic code oh, authority really? yeah so those black and white magazines that's why those black and white, white magazines in the 70s that I'm a big fan of are horror uh magazines is because they were able to show vampires, and they were able to show people getting killed. They were able to show, um, you know, women in, in lingerie and that sort. Of, you know, the diaphanous um, uh, Victorian style dresses mm. that they're running through the marshes and you know that kind of stuff. But they're able to show things that would not have been allowed in the comics code authority. And so, um, the Punisher, like I have a Punisher volume on my um, my shelf here, that's from his early appearances uh, outside of Spider Man and it's it's this black and white magazine it was to kind of capitalize on the um oh the serialized uh novels um i can't remember what they're called but it's like it's something like the avenger or or something like that but they were um but it's it's basically your um clint eastwood um oh, what's the clint eastwood movie series dirty Harry. dirty Harry. It's, it's that stuff that they're they're kind of capitalizing on in the comics it's it's superhero-y and he's doing things like he shoots up a room with dum-dum bullets and so he's not actually killing them you know that kind of stuff but then in in cloak and dagger he kills some, or he shoots up someone for um you know jaywalking and it's like these ridiculous like he's way taking it overboard and then you get into the more gritty um crime type of things uh in in the magazines and so it's still sanitized somewhat but this that we're seeing here um kind of goes along with that kind of early punisher where he's unhinged a little bit um he is clearly a uh a damaged person uh with with what happened to his family and everything and he is uh taking this whole vendetta against criminals um, almost you're, you're watching it or reading it rather. And you're thinking, oh, this is going too far. And I think we're supposed to be thinking that here. Um, and so you're asking the question, do I follow this guy as a hero? Am I supposed to like this guy? Am I supposed to like what he's doing? And unlike Jessica Jones, where you don't like what she's doing, but you understand, um, here you understand, but, um, I I don't like him for doing it. You know, I'm not, I'm not rooting for him. I I'm rooting for Donnie to get out of there. And I'm, I'm worried about Donnie in the cement, but those guys, he is smashing them with the hammer. He is. And, and they're bad guys, you know, I mean, they, they portray these guys as horrible, horrible people. They want you to be clear that there are. I
3: mean, and, and Frank also walks away from them on multiple occasions and they keep pushing him and they keep, you know, he tries, you, you know, he, it's almost like he's a recovering addict, right? He tries really hard to not engage, but then, you know, they pull me, you know, I leave and they pull me back in. I'm not going to do the, the voice, I promise. But, um, but yeah, you know, they, they, he keeps getting provoked and he gets to a point where he, he can no longer
1: idly buy. Well, and and that point is when someone innocent, again, air quotes, um mm-hmm. is is in their sights and they are going to kill Donnie. You know, right. I mean and he so- he turns his back on one of them when they get hurt. Like he right. could help this person and he doesn't. That is not what a hero does. He's not a hero. He's not intended to be a hero. We're not supposed to think he's a hero. Um, And so it it presents this anti-hero kind of situation. Um, He's a vigilante for sure. But yeah, I'm I'm not sure what we're supposed to feel or think about him right now.
3: Yeah. I mean, and I think that's on purpose. I I think there is a um, a, (laughs) – Right now in television, um, there is this sort of sense with shows like Breaking Bad or Game of Thrones or The Punisher um, to to push that (sighs) – to push it as far as you can go. To make it realism and gritty and you're not supposed to like the hero. I mean Deadwood was kind of the same way where you're not supposed to like anybody. Um, You just kind of watch – Breaking Bad is sort of like the pinnacle, I think, of this, where you're you're just watching people fall into depravity, right? Um, I couldn't finish Breaking Bad either. Uh, Let's be honest. Well, okay, I might be spoiling this. The only reason I finished watching this series was because it's the MCU. Had it not been the MCU, I probably wouldn't have passed episode one. To be completely honest,
1: and and I I believe that's the same sentiment that that Samantha has given. Um, uh, yeah, you know, and I'm I'm trying to you know <laughs> I'm not forcing anybody to watch anything. You know, no, don't, no, no, no. Don't, don't and, send and, any emails. You know, why are you making them watch things they don't like? I I'm not, but um,
3: and and, and to that person who's going to send that email, I did. I'm doing this of my own my own free will. So <laughs> so, but it and it's an interesting sort of. Um glimpse. What's great about the MCU is that you can you can twist it and ply it and move it and fold it and bend it, and it all sort of all works together. You can have something like Thor Ragnarok, which is you know, a comedy, or Guardians of the Galaxy, which is a comedy, or Ant-Man, which is a comedy, and this, and they exist in quote unquote the same universe.
1: Yeah, well, and that that is very interesting to think about. I mean, just taking this one episode here and holding it up against, yeah, that one Thor movie, you know, Thor mm-hmm. Ragnarok, and this same universe—both hammers. Both hammers, yeah, yeah, yeah. hammers. <laughs> one other interesting thing is in the comics, their Punisher does go into more supernatural things. He he's died, he's come back. Uh, he he was the cosmic ghost for a while. Um, he might still be. I'm not sure, but he. I,
3: I know he was in Civil War, and I remember a, a scene where him and Cap sort of meet, and I think Cap sort of asks him, "You know, which side are you on?" And and he's like, "I'm, I'm not on anybody's side," you know. And I thought that was a really interesting sort of counterpoint to that whole that whole arc, and it would have been interesting to have him. You know, have some of the guys in the MCU have to sign the accords, have come to him and be like, "Why aren't you dead?" Sign the accords because obviously you're some sort of superhero, <laughs> and like he would just shoot General Ross in the face. <laughs> so I mean, it's this. I I don't know if I don't know if if the Punisher fits into the MCU, other than sort of making it fit into the MCU. I don't know if it fits tone.
1: Well, it doesn't fit tone in the BG 13 larger MCU, Uh, but with Daredevil as a bridge between Captain America and this, Mm
3: -hmm.
1: you know, it it does work. Uh, You know, in Civil War, I I don't know if this is the comic. Um, This might have been in the audio adaptation that I heard. Um, But um, that meeting with with Captain America is really interesting because Captain America does not approve of Frank Castle and what he does. Frank Castle mm-hmm. has a huge 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 amount of respect for Captain America though. He looks at Captain America and sees a soldier that he wishes he was. And he just can't be because that's not who he is in life. And and his life situation has created him and and built him into this Punisher. But he respects deeply Captain America. And it's, it's interesting, you know, that, that dichotomy there.
3: I would love John Barenthal and Chris Evans to share the screen sometime for Punisher and Cap. I would love that. I think they would have, I mean, that would be amazing because I think they'd have so much different levels of,
1: of, I mean,
3: they're both great actors, right? And to have them play against mm-hmm. each other in those iconic roles would be would be very cool.
1: It, it'd be really interesting. Now, what's interesting too, you know, um, he's he unlike like what you're talking about with with Breaking Bad and and those things. He has a code. He has a moral code, and he does not lash out for his own personal gain. He does not, uh, he, he's not a villain in that way. So he's not like acting out, uh, evilly, um, because with, for evil motives. He does it to protect the innocent. He does it to avenge the, um, the, the dead. Uh, but he, unlike, um, Walter White in Breaking Bad, right, uh, who has good motives for doing some of the bad things he does, but, um, but then as the series goes on, things change. Uh, He, that is not Frank Castle. Frank Castle is not going to turn and, you know, become a crime Lord. He,
3: no, no, he, he doesn't, he doesn't want anything to do with crime Lords. He's going through in this first episode, especially he's going through so much turmoil, you know, with the death of his family, with, I mean, the the scene earlier with him in in, in the in the in the room are not listening to carl listening not listening to carl i mean that was a room full of ptsd survivors and with the story about you know how uh, the guy digging the hole and the general yelling at him and all that sort of stuff and then the the friend jumping down in the hole and telling you how to get out of it i mean that is a classic ptsd sort of um work through situation. And so you know that he's suffering from that. You know that he was in the Marines. And so you know that he's suffering from that. Plus you killed his family. Plus you probably watched, um, you know, Daredevil season two. So, you know, the two batch. Yeah. Yeah. The penny and dime thing. So, I mean, you know, all that. And he's working through it. I mean, he's trying to work through it. And that's why he's giving away the free labor at the uh, at the construction site. So he's bashing cement blocks instead of skulls. He mm-hmm. doesn't yeah, yeah. want to be a bad guy, but he sort of gets forced into it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, OK, so he's reading a book. He's mm-hmm. reading a book called The Crack Up, and it's by F. Scott Fitzgerald. So The Crack Up is actually a series of articles he wrote for, I think it was Esquire um, in the 30s, I think. And it starts out saying this. This is is what it starts out. Uh, Of course, all life is a process of breaking down. But the blows that do the dramatic side of the work, the big sudden blows that come or seem to come from outside, the ones you remember and blame things on and in moments of weakness tell your friends about, don't show their effect all at once. There's another sort of blow that comes from within, that you don't feel until it's too late to do anything about it, until you realize with finality that in some regard you will never be as good a man again. The first sort of breakage seems to happen quick. The second kind happens almost without your knowing, but it is realized suddenly indeed. Before I go on with this short history, let me make a general observation. The test of a first-rate intelligence is the ability to hold two opposed ideas in the mind at the same time and still retain the ability to function. One should, for example, be able to see that things are hopeless and yet be determined to make them otherwise. So, I mean, he's talking about um, these these ways of getting broken as a person. Being, and he calls it the crack-up. Um, He calls it – he talks about the moment he realized he cracked or he was cracked and talks about the different kinds of cracking um, in your head, in your body, and in your nerves and then recounts about how awful his cracking was. He hated everyone. Um, and then he spoke to a woman who finally said to him, um, listen, the world only exists in your eyes, your conception of it. You can make it as big or as small as you want to. And you're trying to be a little puny individual by God. If I ever cracked, I would try to make the world crack with me. Listen, the world only exists through your apprehension of it. And so it's much better to say that it's not you that's cracked. It's the Grand Canyon. Uh, So it. In the end, Fitzgerald just seems to be okay with accepting that he's not going to be fixed and that he doesn't mind that he's cracked and that he dislikes his fellow man. Um, But it's interesting that this is what Frank is reading. And especially if you look at those first two paragraphs there and it's talking about um, how you you have this this thing that comes from within and you don't even realize anything has happened until you – finally realize i'll never be as good a man as i was before and i kind of see that with frank you know like he's i'm never going back i'm broken um i'm uh and it's all these different factors that are coming in and, and breaking him but um he's he's cracked and and he's not going back and so that's i found it interesting i i read it's a three-part essay that he did for esquire um and it's kind of depressing at the end when it's just kind of is like yeah you know what i hate people people hate me it's okay <laughs> and and he, he talks about how he's just learned to function and and learned to um not uh not show how much you know the lady down the street or at the grocery store disgusts him you know <laughs> and he just he's just learned you know um but yeah, so that's that, that's another thing that I found kind of interesting. And um, I did not go into this episode and be like, oh, the crack up. I know that. So all this stuff I'm talking about right now is stuff that I did dig up and research about. It's not like knowledge that I already had just in, you know, in my Rolodex in my head. But yeah,
3: <laughs> well, he, the other book he was reading is Moby Dick. Yeah. Yeah. And and and, you know, and everybody knows Moby Dick.
1: If hey.
3: Star Trek reference.
1: Yes, because if you haven't read the book, you can see the movie starring Patrick Patrick Stewart as Captain Ahab. (laughs) But why would they cast him in that role? Because
3: he's going to draw a line in
1: the sand and say this far, no further. That's right. Because before he did Moby Dick, he did a Star Trek movie referencing Moby Dick.
3: Right. No, but I, I mean... Whenever, whenever somebody reads Moby Dick on screen, it's for a purpose. <laughs> yeah. It is, it is telegraphing to you, um, that, uh, these, this character is searching for his great white whale. I mean, his this character is searching for something. he has got, um, vengeance against something. Uh, and it's up to the viewer to, to put those connections together. It, that's the literary thing of this. So, you know he is making a uh he does have vengeance against somebody you know he he doesn't know it yet he's still uneasy about the death of his family even though he killed all of the all the cartels um
1: but here's the thing about so. moby dick is ahab has this irrational um obsession with destroying the white whale and it is that obsession and and i will never forget i i have I used to own the book. I don't know where it is anymore. I started reading it three times and I just couldn't get through that whole wailing stuff at the very beginning where it's just, it's just boring details. I just couldn't do it. But what I will never forget is catching the end of Moby Dick on TV at my grandparents' house and it. This is not the, the Patrick Stewart one. This is, uh, I did watch the whole Patrick Stewart one later on, but this is when I was young. This is before, you know, this is before I saw Patrick Stewart in anything. I, um, and so I don't remember who it was who was playing captain Ahab, but the, the thing is you are not just chasing down your white whale and trying to catch and get that vengeance. And by destroying that thing, it consumed you and it destroys you. And in that movie, um, captain ahab you know he's there's the whales swimming toward the boat and they're shooting harpoons and he ends up like attacking with a harpoon and you see this scene where he ends up being tangled in the ropes that are wrapped around this white whale as it is still swimming around and it is jumping out of the water and he is um tangled and and bound to that white whale as it's swimming through the water, I don't know how the book ends. Okay. I don't know if it actually, that's the way it happens in the book. I do know that, um, you know, emotionally and thematically, that's what happens in the book where he puts everyone in danger so he can go and get his vengeance, go and get his obsession. And then his obsession destroys him as well. And, Mm -hmm. and so that, that does bring up the, the question. Okay. Is that where Frank is headed? Um, now, no spoilers here, I just do know that there is a second season of Punisher, so this season he is not going to be, you know, bound by that white whale and drown on the side of this dying whale as it swims through the ocean. But um, metaphorically, for all that, for for Frank, um, but I am curious, you know, where is this season going and where, and this this episode doesn't give me any any indication other than he's back in the game and, you know, you end with the last, the final line of, welcome back, Frank.
3: Yeah, I mean cuz didn't he wasn't he like dead or something at the end of of presumed dead or something at the end of Daredevil 2?
1: Yeah. Yeah.
3: Okay. So so right now according to the world he's dead. Yeah. So it, to have this one guy say welcome back Frank means that a this guy knows who he is. Not the Punisher, but he's Frank Castle. Um and that's a that's a big deal,
1: and yeah, he he's dead. Um, and now he has a new look, the beard, mm-hmm. and he has a new name,
3: mm-hmm.
1: a different name. So, um, yeah, I had a couple other things in my notes. I'm not sure what what you've brought to the the notes side of things, but um, <laughs> the other thing was there is a lot of statements being made about America. In this, in this series, yeah. and you know it, it's interesting. I, I, they, they definitely, um, they, they have the the conservative crackpot who is talking about how the liberals are taking over and the system. You know, and there's all that. Then you have people just complaining about how the system is completely corrupt, and then you have, um, it was Dinah actually, I think, who who talks about how the system is the best. It's the it's 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 worth fighting for. So the system allowed a really bad thing to happen with the person that died earlier with her, but the system is worth fighting for, even so. And I'm not sure where that's going to go in this series with with Frank, but there is this whole thing of you know the the, the military system ha- is in place to do things that are good. But the people who are doing these things sometimes end up broken, sometimes end up corrupted. That's why Carl is doing his thing, you know, is because he's helping these guys who have been ostracized by society because of what society believes they have done.
3: You know, it just occurred to me that um, Falcon Mm -hmm. was doing the same thing in Winter Soldier.
1: You I think you could have easily replaced Carl with with Falcon
3: yeah but to be fair falcon what's his name sam
1: sam wilson yeah
3: yeah they're in dc and and he's not Punisher's not frank's not frank's in new york so i mean it's, not, it's the eastern seaboard sure
1: they're next door
3: <laughs> just a train away they're Both just by, by the ocean
1: so that means they're just right i do right by each other so that's right um
3: so that, Ask anybody from Portland or uh LA. They're just like thanks thanks to Well,
1: no, not Portland and LA, but Portland and, and uh and Seattle are right next to each other, right? San Diego and Los Angeles are just
3: like it's right there. Ugh.
1: I used to make that commute uh, because I was I had an internship and and I was doing film school in Los Angeles. But then my aunt lived in San Diego, and so I drive – or my, my cousins, rather, lived in San Diego. So I drive to visit them, and that was the worst. The worst. It, it
3: still is. And, hey, if you are a listener and you have to drive that commute, I I'm I got you right there, buddy. And you, I am you,
1: glad to be making that commute with you. Yes. And talk about yes. the MCU with you as, as you're making yes. that commute. And if you want to dr- if you want to
3: call in while you're driving four miles an hour, do so. But make sure you use Bluetooth. You don't want to get a ticket.
1: <laughs> yes, definitely. OK, so anyway, um, I think the last thing that I want to bring up, because um, we kind of talked about already how the the guys at the work site were like the worst caricature of of a humanity (laughs) because they had to be to deserve what frank gave them at the end of the episode and when i say they had to be i mean as far as the the writers of the show had to create someone who deserved what they got and who was able to push him to come back into the into the game
3: i mean you had to yeah i mean when you saw the ham there's that one scene where they're pushing him around and they're, you know, they're threatening, they're threatening him right before the one guy gets hit or hurt. I mean, you had to want Castle to use the hammer. You had to want him to use it. Not just like, oh, I hope he don't doesn't use it, but you had to be like, "Why aren't you picking that thing up? Let's just take care of business right now, Punisher. What's going on?"
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's almost part of the the social experiment that is this show. Is I I wonder how much of this show is just we're going to push you to want him to do these things, and and how far can we push you, the viewer, to the point where you're rooting for him? Right,
3: and that's and that's what I found disturbing. You know, I wanted him to to use a hammer to kill somebody, and I'm like, whoa, whoa, just hold on there a second, buddy. You know, I felt like I was a, a, a in the Roman times with the lion pits.
1: Right. Except they created a perfect story. I mean, the, the writers created the situation. And this is this is Man of Steel all over again, where right. Zack Snyder <laughs> created a situation because he knew where he wanted to go. He where how do I take Superman to a point where he will snap Zod's neck? You know, and, and right. how do I how do I do that? Well, by putting people in danger in this way, that way, in this, this way, that way, and I actually go along with him for a lot of what he's doing there, putting you know, creating that moral conundrum for Superman because that's one of the things that makes for an interesting Superman story is to put him in a situation where he faces moral conundrums. He has the strength to take care of almost any kind of physical problem. It's the moral conundrums that really. Create interesting stories for Superman, or not not the only interesting stories, but 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 some of them. That that's that's one way to create an interesting story for him. This show does the same thing. The I mean the way it sets it all up, it creates a situation where he has to kill these guys and kill the Nuuchis to protect Donnie and Donnie's grandmother. And, you know, then he gives them the stolen money. You know, he's not – he doesn't care about that. Um, but this well, – it creates that situation where he has to step in. They are going to attack him and fight him and force him to – he can't just scare them now. No. And no. and now that he's shown his hand, he has to wipe them out. He has to wipe them out. Um He has to wipe out the Nucci's because they know Donnie and they know who he is. And he can't just give Donnie the money and then send him off on his way. He has to completely clean house.
3: But you almost get the sense that it's like getting that, um, getting that hit of the drug, right? He's been trying to be clean for so long. By just, you know, focusing on other things, getting his anger out somewhere else. But then when he's walking out of that building, when someone says, Welcome back, Frank, he's almost got this like weight lifted off his shoulders. You know, it, it's almost freeing in some way, where he's he's back, you know? And and it's not just the guy who says he's back, it's it's his it's his whole gait,
1: it's his whole presence. The guy says he's back. But it is not just him talking to himself for the purposes of a guy, you know, who's just making conversation mm-hmm. with himself. You know, I do that all the time, don't yeah, you yeah? Yeah, well, <laughs> I, I do unfortunately. but um what it does, though, is it's it's a it's a thematic statement for the show. Right. Welcome back, right. Frank. You know, he is back into that mindset again. And I don't see it so much as that that drug. Um, metaphor that you're using uh, as much as him taking the hit, although maybe it could be. I, I can I can see what you're saying. I didn't see it that way. Um, I saw it almost as the same kind of situation with the child pornographer in in Daredevil season two, where he's you know the guy is talking about I can do this, I can get you this, I can get you that. And then he says, I can also get you child pornography and I shot it myself and it's good. And you just see on his face, like, I wish you wouldn't have said that because I have to take care of this now. And you have, you've, you've crossed the line that my moral code allows. And
3: I remember talking about that, that, yeah, I hadn't, I hadn't put that together until now, but yeah, that's, I mean, he's still playing with that moral code, but I think the, I think the show itself much likes the comics, I'm sure. Um, are dealing with different moral codes. I mean, you mentioned the, the, the color comics versus the black and white comics. I mean, you could definitely make the, make the, you know, you could draw the line between this series being more closer to the black and white comics and the daredevil series being more closer to the, uh, to the color comics where there's a little bit more superhero versus a little bit more real streets grittiness.
1: Yeah. I do I see what you're saying about, you know, the addict metaphor um, where it's not, it, it's not like a guy. You know, it's not like the the alcoholic who goes to the bar and just doesn't drink. This is a guy who just is trying to live life, and people are bringing the drinks to him and mm-hmm. like putting them under his nose. Um, I and taunting him with it. I yeah, mean, yeah. The, but they don't bullies. know. That's the thing. Those bullies <laughs> don't know what they're doing. They. I mean, you want me to start hating a character in a show? Use the R word. Okay. Right. And and they're doing it, you know, they're, they're calling him a retard. And I, oh, I hate that. I remember as a kid, um, that was a word that I learned because people were talking about the people my dad worked with who were actually, mm-hmm. um, people who had cognitive disabilities and physical disabilities. I mean, the, so they're using this word and I asked my dad what this word means and he's like, oh, and he had to explain to me why they were using that word. And, and you can say it's a clinical word. I have a friend who tried to, um, and justify it that way that it is a legitimate clinical description from the DMV, uh, whatever that uh, oh, DSV DSV yeah whatever <laughs> the DMV
3: is a different situation
1: there right right <laughs> but um but I'm just like no you're you're not using that word because you're trying to be clinical um
3: well when you become a doctor you can be clinical about it
1: yeah yeah but it, it's not and it's not being used that way in this situation and most people when they no. use that that word um. You know, they're they're using it in an insulting way uh, oftentimes they're not using it to actually describe someone who has a disability uh, but they're using it to you're using a word that does describe that in a negative word to say I'm as bad as that because I did something stupid or you're as bad as that and and, and they, it shouldn't be used that way because um, yeah I, I, I'm gonna get go off my soapbox right now but I don't like the word those guys are using that to describe him because he's not talking you know and he's he's acting strange he's acting different and he just keeps Knocking down the walls and yeah, so they create these, these characters for us to hate so that at the end, when he does brutally murder them and it's, it's, it goes beyond self-defense, you know, we are beyond self-defense. We are into um, just something well, that, that's a, it's a level of brutality that, that he's using that.
3: And, and like you said earlier, the, um the whole social experiment of the show is you want him to to be, pick up the hammer and you and the scene that he almost does it, you're like, oh, why didn't you do it? And then the, the last scene, it's gratifying. It You know, it's you have this emotional response that's very gratifying when he picks up the hammer
1: and just wallops him. It's a it's, it's an emotional roller coaster though too. Cuz yeah. when he doesn't use it the first time, yeah, you want him to. You're 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 feeling your own tension rise up with his. Mm-hmm. But then when he doesn't, you're like, "Wait." And then you're like, "Good job." You know, like he did it, you right. know. And and then at the end, it's the opposite. It's, "Okay, yeah, finally." And the, oh, that's awful. <laughs> you're cringing.
3: Right. And and it's a very interesting um again, social experiment show type of thing to, to, to have to walk through. And it's, it's, it's uneasy. And I, and, you know, I don't know everybody who's listening to this situation, but I would imagine that if you, forgive me, I don't want to, I don't want to paint everybody with the same brush, but it would be very difficult for me to have a conversation with someone who didn't have That sort of emotional up and down, you know, with this, because I think that's, I think that's built into this. It's playing off all of your, off all of your emotions, not just the ones that are the violence sinking ones.
1: Yeah. And I would say the positive that comes out of that is it is good to confront emotions. Absolutely. You know, it is good to confront emotions and fiction is where we are able to safely confront conflicting emotions. Mm -hmm.
4: And Absolutely. and so
1: you know, in in fiction, we are confronting yeah, uh, the this guy with the hammer, you know, and um, hopefully that's not something where in real life we are having to deal with like what's the emotional fallout here, um, and so but on the, on the flip side of that, and, and this is why you're not rewatching most of this. I, I'm not sure what you're going to um, go back to 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 you know to watch uh, and just partially because I'm, I'm not sure what's coming up, but. Um, we can also choose, because it's fiction, it's it's on our screen, we can turn the screen off. In a book, we can close the book. Um, and we can choose, like, this journey is taking me places where I don't know if I want to go. Because I feel this way about it. And that's why, I. when there's movies that I choose not to watch, um, you know, I, there was a movie, when I was in film school, actually, that with, I went to with my friends. I had to walk out. It was just too, um, it was too... Graphic well, for me, and I was I can't handle this. I walked out. My friends walked out with me. Unfortunately, I felt really bad for them. <laughs> the, the good news is they all had their ticket stubs and were able to get their money back. <laughs> I lost mine. I don't know how I lost mine between the ticket line and going into that theater. I lost mine. I was the only one who didn't get my money back. Do you uh, remember what movie it was? I do. I'm not going to talk about it though, because I don't know. T- I don't know if it's as bad as as I remember it being. That I had to walk out, and so I don't want people to be like, eh, why
2: do you that one? Because,
1: I mean, now I, I talk about movies that I like, like Pan's Labyrinth or, you know, like <laughs> – um, or this, you know, where I'm like I, – I,
3: <laughs> Well, see, I, I will freely admit that I stopped watching Breaking Bad, and I know exactly the point where I stopped watching it. And I will tell people, yeah, I stopped watching it at this point, and they'll go, yep, I can totally see that. And, and my wife finished it. She actually thought it was a, a work of art, you know, and I can appreciate that aspect of it, but I can't I can't put myself in those shoes. Yeah. I just couldn't. Yeah. So,
1: and I understand that, too. Um, it is not for everyone. And and this this show also is not for everyone. And so it actually is kind of refreshing in some ways that um, we'll be kind of bouncing between Runaways and this where Runaways is definitely a more light Fair, you know, and it's, it's teen it, it superhero much, drama. Yeah, but it's still pretty heavy. Yeah, but it's a different kind of heavy. I mean, we're going
3: to have to break it up with Captain Marvel.
1: <laughs> that'll be nice. Yeah, it nice. Yeah. Boy, I wonder if that could land on episode 300. That'd be cool if it did.
3: Oh, we could, it might. I I'm mean, not going to
1: force it, but that'd be cool.
3: That'd be cool. Anyway. Yeah, I think we're – I think it's interesting that this show exists in the
1: same universe as Ant-Man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, okay. And for
3: that, I really like it. So, yes.
1: Uh, well, that's everything I have. Um, do we have so feedback? We do have one uh, feedback, uh, audio feedback that I'm going to play right now from Agent Michael. and And then we will close this one down.
2: Agent Mike calling in. Punisher episode one. That was
5: awesome. I'm totally bought in. I'm so excited. Yeah. Yeah, that's about it.
1: So, um, clearly, fan of the series. Yes. <laughs> so, or at least this and, episode.
3: <laughs> yeah. I'm really interested to see how... To me, there's there's two different types of audiences um, for – well, there's been a traditional type of audience for comic book movies. This one to me sort of looks at a different sector of an audience. Um, you know, yeah, you might – there's this there still might be the comic book person, but this seems like a harder comic book. This is a harder comic book it thing. Is,
1: it is. um I mean, it, it deals with death. It deals with vengeance. It deals with um, real consequences to what a vigilante um, who is going to be effective in the real world would have to do. Um, mm-hmm. You know, like in this situation, using the hammer. You know, so <laughs> Thor uses his hammer, and we we watch it, and it's like it's cool and it's glossy, and and the only time it gets anywhere close to this kind of violence is when he's using it to throw it through you know the head of a dragon or whatever that creature was in in the first thor movie. You know, and it's gross and you're like, "Oh, he just threw a hammer and created a hole in that that creature's head, you know. But um
3: I mean even in even in Infinity War when he um see we are going to talk about Infinity War when he brings Stormbringer down and and wipes out everybody. I mean, they're all faceless monsters,
1: right? Right, right. The only time when, it's not is when he he uses it on on Thanos then. Mm-hmm. And and it's a moment and misses. <laughs> yeah, well, quote unquote. But um, it's it, it's a moment, and it's, but yeah, if you really think through, like, what would it be like to be hit by that hammer? Like, there's, there's no recovery, and then you have Punisher doing this, and it's like, oh, and you're cringing, you know, because mm-hmm. um, and one thing is, you tend to cringe more at a representation of something that is close to reality that you can mm-hmm. m- more fully relate to. And so that's why if you're watching a show where someone steps on a Lego, you know, you're going to, you're going to, yeah, yeah, you're going right to cringe with it. But if you're, if you're watching, you know, and Django Fett's head gets cut off by a lightsaber, you're not cringing, you know, mm-hmm. because that, that's just not part of your frame of reference. Uh, <laughs> the hammer, the sledgehammer in this is a part of your frame of reference. You know, you've right. you've felt a hard blow from a metallic object before, um, or you've hit your thumb with a hammer. You know, like that's, and and so this is okay. Let's amplify that, mm-hmm. um, yeah, and and then then there's the whole throwing them into the cement thing mm-hmm. too, where that is terrifying.
3: Well, absolutely and, and terrifying. Also, yeah, you can also see, like, you can the, the headline for that. Is something we that could actually see, you know, bodies found in cement building or whatever. You're never going to see a headline that says the Thor, the god of thunder, came down and smashed a bunch of guys, <laughs> a bunch of monsters. You're never going to see that headline in real life. No, but,
1: no, you're not. Uh, so. Now, now, uh, Karen might write that headline. In, yeah, in, but in the you MCU, know that it, but...
3: it wouldn't get, it wouldn't, it would go nowhere.
1: Well, here for us. Yeah. Yes. All right. Well, uh, that is all for now. I want to thank everyone for listening. Thank you for spending time uh, talking with us about Punisher and, um, we'd like to hear from you. Uh, and you know, what are what is your general feelings about this, about the level of violence that we have in this, in this series or about the, uh, the way that the violence affected you as you're watching it? Um, be curious to hear from you and we'd love to play back your feedback if you call our hotline or if you send us a um an email that includes an audio file or you can just send us a regular email or contact us through facebook so thank you very much everyone for listening we appreciate it and Stuart, have any final words thanks
3: everybody for listening and walking on this adventure with us can't wait to see what we do next
1: and i would say as far as punisher goes well been a long time since daredevil season two but welcome back frank thanks once more for listening you've heard us now we'd love to hear from you just go to welcome to level seven dot com slash feedback to contact us through our website you can also leave us a voicemail by calling one seventy seven fifty five 55 level seven you can also join the conversation by liking us on facebook facebook.com slash welcome to level seven or by following us on twitter where we are level seven pod welcome to level seven is a proud member of the noodle mix network find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to help you think laugh and succeed at noodle.mx Learn how to podcast, get productive in your personal and professional life, theorize over TV shows, laugh at our clean comedy, learn critical thinking from movie reviews, and more at noodle.mx. Thanks for joining us. Until next time, Godspeed. Hey, Stuart. Yeah. (laughs) Have you you seen Into the Spider-Verse yet?
3: No, but I saw Mary Poppins twice. What?
1: Twice? Yeah. And I know Samantha's seen it since our last episode. So, okay. uh,
3: Yeah, Mary Poppins was good. I liked it.
1: All right. Well, Into the Spider-Verse, also good.
3: (laughs) And I would like it too.
1: Yeah, well, I'll be asking you again, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> and the end of the Spider-Verse skit is done. Scene.
3: <laughs> Hopefully.
1: Um, I'll find out next week. <laughs> yeah, right. All right, later, dude. Later.